0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to you, Christ. Amen. When I was a boy growing up in the Episcopal Church in Phoenix, um, one of my favorite songs that we would sing frequently throughout the year, but especially on All Saints Day, was uh, it went like this. I sing a song of the saints of God, patient, and brave, and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green. They were all of them saints of God, and I mean God helping to be one too. They loved their Lord so dear, so dear, and God's love made them strong. And they followed the right for Jesus' sake, the whole of their good lives long. And one was a soldier, and one was a priest, and one was slain by a fierce wild beast. And there's not any reason, no, not the least, Why, I shouldn't be one too. And we would say the same for each and every one of you. I often call All Saints Sunday uh, the Sunday in which the fix is in and it worked Sunday. Are you following me on that? Last week we celebrated Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit in each and every one who has been sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and so the question is did it work are there any Saints in our church and you just look around and the walls are filled with the Saints of God and we're told uh, that you need to be one too and so in some places like for example I know in the OCA Uh, next so that they have all Saints on this Sunday next Sunday and you see how it's connected Pentecost all Saints and then all Saints of North America right next Sunday uh, many places will be celebrating their national Saints in Greece and in Russia and so forth all Saints of that country and then you could theoretically extend it to the next week what would that be all Saints of Arizona. We, we think of Elder uh, Ephraim, who someday will be uh, one of those who will be on that icon of uh, All Saints of Arizona. And then the next week, All Saints of Mesa. <laughs> and then the next week, because there will be so many in Mesa, it'll be harder to, to commemorate them all. So they'll even do one more. All Saints, uh, St. Ignatius, the god of Antioch Church. And that that will be a day, won't it? I want to be one too, don't you? We're called to that. And may the Lord give us uh, his glory and strength to become that. You know, in many generations, including St. Simeon, the new theologian, people will sometimes say, as they said to him, You know, in our day, there aren't any living saints. There just aren't any more fathers and holy mothers of the church. And St. Simeon, the new theologian said, that is a heresy, not only a heresy, it's the heresy of all heresies. Because it says that the Holy Spirit, I don't know, went on vacation, retired. Retired is playing golf in Florida. It means the Holy Spirit isn't doing his work among us if there are no saints. And so St. Simeon says, it's the heresy of all heresies. Don't fall into that. Believe that it's possible for you to become a saint. Matter of fact, I would say there is only one tragedy that could happen in this world to you. And it's not sickness or losing your job or, you know, having even a tragedy like a child dying. I'm not saying those aren't sad and and real tragedies but only one real tragedy could occur in your life and that would be for you to fall short of the glory of God and not become a saint of God because that's your calling as Saint Paul said that's the mystery of the universe I quote this often because I want you to know the purpose of your life the reason you were created the mystery of the cosmos what is it Christ in you the hope of glory that you would be doxified, filled with the love and light of God, and that you would be among uh, the list of the saints, even if your icon is never painted and put in the church. God knows, the saints know, the angels know. Even if uh, it's not recognized universally, that's your high calling, so go for it. And so what does it mean to be a saint. And here I want to read a passage, and this often happens to me when I'm preparing. The very passage I need just jumps out in my reading. I, I read from a number of books every day, and it's just, how does it happen that that's the place of reading, and it's exactly what I wanted to say in the sermon. Well, the Holy Spirit, He's guiding us. We live by divine providence. So, glory to God. uh, Father Zacharias says this, Grace is what makes you a saint. Grace, and by grace we mean the uncreated energies of God, the Holy Spirit. There's lots of different ways to say it. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's not emotionalism but it is a type of enthusiasm. Did you know the word enthusiasm is literally in theos? It comes from Godded, to become filled with God. To have a godly enthusiasm is to be filled with the theos. So this grace transfigures the mind. And he who has beheld the light of God and known the order of the other life, that is the higher life. We all know how to live in this world by ways and means and and making devices and and designs and so forth, but what is it like to live with a new sight, a new, with faith and and, uh, seeing the other world always as the uh, present and more real world as we live in this world, but seeing beyond this world into the living world and this is what he says that grace transfigured the mind of those who behold the light and know the order of the other life who perceives all things in a different perspective for this reason even the most casual word of the saints causes an earthquake in the souls of those who hear it. They may be ordinary in their outward appearance and simple in their demeanor, yet those who encounter them, whether they believe in God or not, cannot forget for one moment that these men, and I would add women and children and so forth, these human beings are not of this world. If you've encountered a real saint, you've had this happen. It causes an earthquake in your soul. The Church of God is a fearful place. The Church of God is a fearful place. Why? Her work is not to socially rehabilitate or promote her members or provide them with psychological support. What? I thought that was the reason for the Church. What are you telling me, Father Zacharias? What? Let me read that again. The Church of God is a fearful place. Her work is not to socially Rehabilitate, promote her members, or provide them with psychological support. That's all on the lower level. Again, it's not that those things aren't aren't worthy and valuable and so forth. But that's not the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? The diligent Christian goes to church to divest himself of his limited mind. Which fails to see anything beyond the created earthly things. He only seeks, the true Christian only seeks to acquire the mind of Christ and to be in constant contact with his energy, with his grace, that mortality might be swallowed up by life. He longs to fulfill the destiny which God ordained for him before all ages, namely, to become an imitation of Christ, to be a saint of the living God. He thirsts for holiness and immortality. If he attends church for any other reason, he has failed. And that's a tragedy. Hence, we could define repentance Repentance. I have to always say this about the word repentance because most of us hear the word repentance, which we hear it like oftentimes with somebody wagging their uh, finger at us, like, you're bad, repent, so forth. That's not actually what repentance means. It has no kind of moral, like, you're, you're a bad person or something. The Greek word helps us. The Greek word for repentant is metanoia, a change of the noose, of the noetic faculty. You've been seeing just on earthly level, a metanoia is to see and remember the heavenly realm. When the prodigal son ended up in the pig's pen, because all he did was devote himself to earthly matters, he had a metanoia, he remembered his father, and already he was heading back home, back to heaven. And so, Father Zechariah says, hence, we could define repentance as man's striving to become immortal and to partake of the kingdom of heaven by acquiring the mind of Christ. I love the place where St. Paul says in Romans 12, this very thing, he summarizes it by saying, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your, in the Greek, nous. We translate that mind. But in the West, mind is often, we think of the rational mind. This is is a perception that is above the rational mind. I often say as orthodox. We're not anti-rational, but we don't say it's the highest faculty like most people in the West would say we're not anti-rational but we're trans-rational because we have the renewal of our noetic sight the renewal of our mind we just don't have a good English word to translate news but this is the same thing that st. Paul is saying that's how you become a saint of God you put on Christ An anonymous saint that I read every day in a book called, The Watchful Mind, he says it this way, a Christian in the world is not clothed with Christ on account of the joys of the world. He is clothed with Christ on account of the tribulations in the world. That is why Christ said, you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. He who does not endure such things for Christ will not be clothed with Christ, nor enter into his joy. But we heard it today. Uh, Yes, we shall gain All these wonderful things in the gospel it speaks about but only if we love God first more than all those things on earth father mother sister brother all of our relationships all of the things we have we must be willing to forsake them all in order to gain this highest prize and so how do we practice becoming saints I want to end with four things I'd like to share from 1st Thessalonians 5 16 through 23 Now that passage is really well known to a lot of Orthodox for only one part of the passage. I'm going to read uh, There are four things linked together, but one uh, Is pray without ceasing have you heard that passage? We some of us may think of, of the way of the pilgrim, you know that Russian pilgrim who went to church and heard this passage in Thessalonians spoken of to pray without ceasing and what did he do he said I wanted his heart burned with fire and he said I want to learn how to do that and so we went to a priest how do I pray without ceasing and the first priest he went to um, said oh it it's a hyperbole it just means pray often and he said I okay i'll pray often but i want to pray without ceasing i want that fire to be alive in me all the time and eventually he found out how to do it how to pray the jesus prayer and how to ignite that fire so that even when he would wake up at night the name of jesus would be in his soul lord jesus christ have mercy on me. well that's one part of the passage let me give them all Because I just went to this recently and I saw. oh, there's three other things linked together. The first one is this. This is how the the passage begins. Rejoice always. That's the first thing on the journey of becoming a saint. Learn how to rejoice, especially in the tribulations. Rejoice always. In Philippians, St. Paul says it this way. Rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. He, he has to, he kind of adds it again, in case you didn't catch it the first time. What was he talking about? Rejoice. What did I say? Rejoice. There we go, okay. What was that? Rejoice. I just want to check one more time. How do we start moving to becoming a saint? Rejoice. Okay. We got it. I want to make sure you're all awake and and rolling along here. Rejoice always. Then he says, pray without ceasing. And the third one he says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Have you ever been in a situation you saw? I don't know what the will of God is for me. I don't know which way I should go I'm I'm at a crossroads and what's the will St. Paul says you can know the will of God even if you don't know the next step you're supposed to take and that is to give thanks to give thanks to the Lord and it's kind of like rejoicing I guess those two are similar rejoice always but to say glory to thee for all things because this is the will of God Because what it does to you is it begins to train within you a trust in God's divine providence that no matter what is happening God is in control therefore I can give thanks it's the worst thing that could be happening to me but this I know is the will of God to give thanks it's similar to rejoicing but sometimes it takes more will sometimes we can rejoice when things are going well but can we give thanks when things are really bad for us and finally he says this quench not the Holy Spirit quench not the Holy Spirit I think if we looked at it in the Greek we would find out it's actually imperative that says that actually assumes you are quenching the Spirit, stop quenching the Spirit. I think that would be the better translation. It's the same thing in Matthew's Gospel, when it says, be anxious for nothing. That's not really what it says in the Greek. It says, stop being anxious. It presupposes you are anxious, and that I'm anxious. And that my whole life is like a wet blanket thrown and quenching the Holy Spirit. It's like, that's the given in my life. That's why he tells us, stop quenching the Holy Spirit. Be more open to the Spirit. Attend to the Spirit. Desire the Spirit. Love the Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves you and is closer to you than your own soul. The Holy Spirit is closer than your own breath. He loves you. Don't quench it. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to give you words from above he wants you to see that when all things are going bad there are more with you than against you he wants you to see that so these four things rejoice always pray without ceasing right and everything give thanks because this is the will of god and quench not the holy spirit i think if you were doing those first three You wouldn't need to worry about the fourth. All right, I'm going to leave that with you. It has been such a treat to be with you over these beautiful weeks of the Holy Spirit, the preparation for the coming of the Holy Spirit and now All Saints Day. And with that I will end with the last verse of that childhood song that shaped my heart and my mind shaped my desire and longing. They live not only in ages past, there are hundreds and thousands still. And the world is bright with the joyous saints who love to do Jesus's will. You can meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at tea. For the saints of God are just folk like you and me. And I mean to be one too. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.